Life imitate art, or does art imitate life? Good evening and welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. I am Baba Walters, and I have come out of retirement to talk about the unbearable weight of massive talent, starring Nicolas Cage and Pedro Pascal. The Mandalorian meets Nicolas Cage. This is a parody of Nicolas Cage's greatest hits except Moonstruck. There was no snap out of it. The unbearable weight of massive talent was directed by Tom Gormackin. It really is an entertaining comedy when Nicolas Cage actually joins the CIA. But really, parodies aside, this is Nicolas Cage's silliest film yet. If you thought him trying to play Elvis was crazy, the unbearable weight of massive talent is hilarious. I've come out of retirement, I already said that, to talk about the unbearable weight of massive talent. Nicholas Cage, who comes from the famous Coppola family, only to rename himself Nicholas Cage because the nepotism of being Uncle Francis's nephew, Willie Hutt. He went on to do massive films, but it was his role in Leaving Las Vegas that won him the Academy Award for Best Actor. You could almost smell the booze. He was nominated again for excuse me, the dementia. Anyway, he was nominated again for Twain Twin Brothers in adaption. Nicholas Cage and the unbearable whiteness of massive talent was hilarious. And so I, Baba Walters, have come out of retirement just to tell you that at the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. Now I turn the podcast over because I am 93 years old over to Dr. Zeus. I am Baba Walters. This is 2022. And good night. Stay tuned for Dr. Zeus at the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. And so, yes, the great Barbara Walters just opened the show, and I figured a parody is a parody, and the unbearable weight of massive talent was hilarious. It was like Nicolas Cage's greatest hits. <laughs> oh, my God. It was silly. It was... Why the fuck was Debbie Moore there? <laughs> Why was she there? Um, oh, my God. <laughs> it was just insane. I mean, we need we need something light. We, we are going through a crazy, crazy week. You know, um, but the country is safe. And, yes, 
Carrie Lake, that crazy narcissist sociopath, has lost. Or basically, she looks like Gozer from Ghostbusters with a lot of tan lotion. <laughs> hey, but you know, tonight there's that I'm I'm waiting for it. It's the Mike Pence interview. I saw bits and pieces of it. It's like watching a Whitney Houston interview where she's still in love with Bobby Brown, only in this case, Bobby Brown is Trump, and he's still in love with him. Isn't that right? I'm not gay, Mike Pence. Okay, uh, let's have a little fun. I mean, that film, oh my God. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Nick Cage, Nikki, Nicholas Cope. That's hilarious. Alter egos of himself. I think we should all have them. Oh, my God. What the fuck was that? I rented it. It was almost going to, you know, uh, I hate when you rent them and then, you know, you get busy. And I think I had rented it, was it 28 days ago? So then I finally get around to watching it because it almost expired on me. <sighs> That's some crazy fucking ass shit. All right. And here at the Dr. Zeus film, this is why I don't let everyone listen to this show, especially kids, because, you know, although my niece one time did stumble. I heard you say bad words on your show. Well, you're not supposed to listen to it. Parental discretion advised. <laughs> Or we could say that about the unbearable likeness of talent. I mean, at first I was like, "What the fuck is this? What did, what did I what did I get myself into?" But it's Nicolas Cage. I mean, snap out of it. Yeah, we've all seen that. So, yeah. In fact, you know, let's talk to Cher. Cher, Cher handpicked Nicolas Cage for Moonstruck. Cher, what did you think of the unbearable likeness of massive talent? Well, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's cute. It's cute. Nicky playing himself in such a, such a, it was, it was a parody of epic proportions. Hi, I'm Cher. I may or may not have slept with Nicolas Cage. I don't remember. I'm 76 years old. There's a lot I don't remember. But I did handpick him for Moonstruck. And it was it was a classic. It was. I recently saw her The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. And it was hilarious. It was like his greatest hits. It was. It was. You know, um, it was a very gypsies, tramps, and thieves kind of time. There was gypsies, tramps, Demi Moore, and thieves. Pedro Pascal's cousin, or the gentleman who played him. It really was a crazy, crazy fucking mess. When you, why did you, how did you go around handpicking Nicolas Cage? Well... I had seen Birdie, and I was just like, and I knew Alan Parker, and I was just blown away. And this is right around the time afterwards I had done Silkwood. I had played a lesbian. I had played a beautiful lesbian. A cute one, said Mike Nichols. And then I saw Peggy Sue got married, and I was like, okay. All right, let's serve him up. And so 
he played this character in Moonstruck, and and Nikki is just such a method, you know, the hand and everything, and then he raises the hand in the air, and so there was, a, you know, Norman Jewison was like, okay, so it's going to be very opera, it's going to be very Italian, I'm like, okay, and Nikki knew about that because he was a Coppola, but he was a cage, you know, and so, like, when I told him a wolf without a foot, and he, this was in the script, he throws the table down, and then he carries me, and he says, and then son of a bitch, and then he takes me to the bed, and we have sex. Maybe in real life, I don't know. I don't, it was the 80s. You were like, how old were you back then? About forty, um, yeah. We made the when we made the film. I was about forty. It was a different time, you know. I had just done the the Witches of Eastwick with Johnny. Why? Why do you call Jack Johnny? Well, like I call him Johnny because that's his name. His name is John um, Nicholson. You know, it's like John F. Kennedy. They called him Jack. Were, did I've always been curious, did, did Jack try anything with you? <laughs> no, because, you know, Jack had Angelica, and at the same time, though, you know, Jack was a player. Everyone knew this. And as an actor, he really respected me, and he told me that because he says, you know, Cher, like, everyone's going to look at you at first and say, oh, my God, half-breed, gypsies, tramps, and thieves, dark lady. But then he was like, I saw you in Silkwood, and you played this lesbian. And Mike Nichols, he really brings the best out of people. And I said, yeah, Johnny, he does. And I said, but I wasn't nominated for Mask. And he says, that's the Academy for you. They're fucking crazy. But then I said, but yeah, but you said that when you went for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. We're, we're veering off topic, Cher. Oh, sorry. Well, I'm 76 fucking years old, you know. I mean, I've been here, you know, for a long time. But yeah, Nick Cage, you know, Moonstruck was just... I, I was still stunned that he didn't get nominated for it. I campaigned for him. It didn't happen. I won, of course. Olympia won. May she rest in peace. You know, snap out of it. Um, so, yeah. But, the you know, and then Tiffany Haddish and the unbearable weight of massive talent was just, it, she was hilarious. <laughs> Thank you, Cher. So, I mean... At first, I didn't know what to make of it. I, this really is his greatest. It's hilarious. Yeah, and, and the fact that they threw Pedro Pascal in there. I mean, you know, come on. And, and Have you watched The Mandalorian? Honey, I've become The Mandalorian. I've got the bet spreads and everything. I'm not going to say if I have the Funko Pops because then the fans are going to get crazy. Not only are they going to want my autograph, but they're going to want to know where my Funko Pop of the Mandalorian is. 
it's more valuable than my Academy Award. Well, Cher, that's saying something. Well, yeah, yeah. So I just watched The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. I thought it was hilarious. It was crazy. It was a fun popcorn film. Where would you where would you rank this share? What are we like Siskel fucking Ebert? They're dead. Um, you know, I'm partial to Nikki because um I mean moon I would love to do a moonstruck part two, but it's not gonna happen. Norman is very, very old. And yeah, but I'm I'm happy that Nick Cage still looks like a million bucks. Do you think he's had work done? Hey, this is Hollywood. When I had my teeth and my face done, I said it. Um, with Nick Nicky, I don't know. I don't know. Only Nick knows if he's had some stuff done. With men, it's different. With women, it's like, yeah. Like Jack. Or, I'm sorry, Johnny. Johnny Johnny just doesn't have shit done. That's just not Johnny. Johnny grew up in a time of, um, you know, movie stars. And you didn't talk about that shit. Um, you know, it's like Johnny has that big gut, you know. And... That's Johnny. That really is Johnny's trademark. And if Johnny were to go on Slim Fast, it just wouldn't look good. Okay. So you mean the way we saw him? This is really veering off topic. Um, in terms of endearment, that's a fashion statement. Oh yeah. I I talked to Shirley MacLaine because when I was gonna work with Johnny, and I said sure. What 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 am I what am I in for? And she said, "Share." Um, he's got that big gut, but he is really just charismatic. And I said, "Okay, okay." And, you know, and they both won Oscars for it. And I'm like, "Okay, I didn't win an Oscar for The Witches of Eastwick, but working with Jack and Susan and um Michelle was just." fantastic thank you Cher don't mention it yeah when it comes to certain people I'm very partial you know I mean I could turn back time I'm not going to sing it because then I have to pay Diane Warren as you do sweetie each time we sing if I could turn back time but yeah and so yeah that's us talking about the unbearable Weight of massive talent. Thank you, Cher. Um, Nicholas Cage basically poking fun at himself. That That's really... I love parodies, though. At first, I was going to turn it off because I was like, what the fuck? Of course, though, toward the end, and I'll give it away, Demi Moore's in it, and then I was like, what the fuck is she doing here? <laughs> oh, my God. Talk about having something lighthearted. You know, last night we talked about, I'm not a fan of true crime, but I am a fan of Truman Capote. And last night we talked about Truman Capote. I mean, Truman Capote is dead. The man who played him, the fantastic Philip Seymour Hoffman, is has been gone. 
Um, and they were and and in cold blood really happened. And you know, I've often told people they'll say, "Oh, you have a podcast, yeah, but I don't talk about true crime because true crime podcasts are big." Okay, and really, in cold blood is the one that really started it because it was the first of its kind. So I was like, we got to talk about something lighthearted because I don't want, you know, I could talk about, I'll briefly mention it because I did a show about it last year about the anniversary of ministries. The mind is a terrible thing to taste. What a title. And I am wearing the ministry shirt that I got at the show. Um, you you really haven't lived. This is this is crazy. But then again, what I just watched was you really haven't lived since you've seen ministry in concert. That what you want to talk about crazy? First of all, they put a chain link fence up on the stage. Okay, because that's how it was in the eighties. I didn't see them in the eighties, but I've seen footage. That was when ministry was dangerous. Now they're they're still dangerous, but I mean that mosh pit at that show, um, and we've we've talked about unbearable weight of of massive talent. Let's talk about ministry. My God, I've talked about it at nauseum. How I lost my hearing at ministry. When I tell people that I lost my hearing at ministry, they're like. Oh, my God. And it is a little scary because, but then that's where I'm not a mosh pit person. You realize that the people in the mosh pit actually have their shit together because they've got earplugs in. And, you know, each time I go to a show or I go to San Fran, I'm like, okay, did I forget anything? You know, the toll is paid. I paid the toll through an app. I've got the parking taken care of. That was when I was like, oh, shit. After the first song, I forgot earplugs. And I couldn't hear out of my left ear because I was way up in the front. You know, it was it was wild. It was like, oh, my God, I'm seeing ministry. I've loved them forever. First time seeing them. Boom. Bye-bye hearing. I couldn't hear myself cheer. I could hear like little. I could hear the band, but I'm like, damn. And then I remember I, I went to go get my car and I'm in the elevator. I couldn't even hear the fucking elevator. I was like, oh, shit. And it's like, you know how like when you're walking, even my walking was off. So your hearing does control all of that. And and uh, a few days later, I saw Deftones and Gojira. So and my hearing had come back, but I had purchased these earplugs where you could hear the music and all of the bad sounds were filtered out. And then like a dumbass, I went to the doctor the next day and I told the doctor and he checks my ears and he's like, yeah, what you experienced was toxic noise. And then I read his notes online where he's talking about patient is complaining about hearing. <laughs> I looked in his ears. Yeah. I wouldn't. Well, some people have said to me that's a rite of passage. Your hearing came back, but you lost it at a really infamous band, Ministry. And 33 years ago, they put out The Mind is a Terrible Thing to Taste. If you've ever seen the album cover, my, uh, 
certain people who remain nameless have seen me wear this shirt. And it's basically an x-ray of a skull. Because I guess um, someone that worked for the record company, the mother was in a car accident. And so she had a big metal plate put in her head. And so they wanted the x-ray. She tried to sue them, too. Um, but that's the album cover. 33 years. This album is, it, you know, I mean, with, with seeing them, yeah, yeah. I had my moment. I was like, oh, my God. And the ringing, when you've got the ringing in the ears, it's like, oh, shit. It's not as bad as when I saw Slipknot. When I saw Slipknot and I'm in that mosh pit and I'm like, oh, shit, I think I'm going to die. And then I reacted quickly and got out of the mosh pit because I didn't intend to get in there. I was talking with some people. All of a sudden, the right side where I was at opened up. Boom, guys are coming at me. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Yeah. So ministry losing the hearing with small potatoes. Around this time last year, I think I'd gone to a costume party where I dressed up like Doc Holliday. And on the way back, I think I left. I drove there in the fog. I drove, I drove home in the fog. Playing ministry at full volume. I had no idea that I would see them months later. But I was playing The Mind is a Terrible Thing to Taste in the Fog. Thieves and Burning Inside. I mean, that whole album from start to finish. And the way um, Chris Connolly and Al Jorgensen put that shit together. I mean, it is, it's a scary record, but those are the best. And when I was coming back from a concert this year with some friends, and I, and I made this excuse that I had to stay awake. Well, I, I kind of was awake, but I was just really tired of some of the shit that I had to put up with. So I was playing really evil music. Well, it's not evil to me, but it's evil to them. And so I was playing The Mind is a Terrible Thing to Taste, as well as um, Behemoth's The Satanist. Thank you. Um, but The Mind is a Terrible Thing to Taste. I mean, you've got the way Thieves opens that album, and then you've got all this full metal jacket samples. You got Burn. I love Burning Inside, that song. And then to see them do it live, okay? Trying to think. Yeah, they also did Thieves Live when I saw them. Never Believe, Cannibal Song, which is disturbing. I was listening to that on my way to work, and all I could think of was donuts. Donuts. Because I can't have donuts anymore. I'm serious. I was thinking of Cannibal Song. I was thinking of donuts. Breathe, which uh, they also did live when I saw them in San Francisco. But I could only hear a little of it. It was like, breathe, breathe, you fuckers. That's what he was saying. So what? They did so what? Test. They didn't do tests. Faith collapsing. Hello. And uh, dream song. Yes. Yes. I've been told by people that I adore that I should go see Harry Styles. Eh, not my cup of tea. Easy on the eyes. Not my cup of tea. Okay. Or now Taylor Swift. I thought about it. I like Taylor, you know. A Sagittarius is have to stick together. Uh, those tickets are a car right there. <laughs> you know, 
it it's been a wild year. The year is almost over. I will have gone to a total of 18 fucking concerts. 18. I tried to sell some t- a ticket that I bought, but I'm just going to have to go. <laughs> I'm just going to have to go. That reminds me. Anyway, uh what a what a crazy world we live in. But it's none crazier than the unbearable likeness of massive talent. It was crazy. It was wild. I don't want my money back. Thank you. I'll probably watch it again. Um, it was just one of those moments, you know what I mean? Those are the best. Those are truly the best. So, there you have it. The unbearable likeness of talent. And Ministries 33rd anniversary of The Mind is a Terrible Thing to Taste. Oh, yes, it was. If I was a little older, and I'm glad I'm not, and if I had been, like, maybe 16 in the 80s, maybe 17, because I don't think they'd let me go to that kind of a concert at 16. Could you imagine that? Uh, I want to go see this band. They're called Ministry. They're called what? Yeah, no. I didn't start going to concerts till I was 17. I mean, the first one was Gladys Knight. It was Gladys Knight. Legend. Midnight Train to Georgia. She did it. And then I think, let's see, 98, 99, 2000. Four years. And then I went to another concert like four years later to the Vans Warp Tour. All right. Talk about extremes. One of one of my friends said that to me once. He says, you're really crazy. It's like extremes with you. Because in 2020, or as Barbara Walters says, 2020. In 2020, I had seen Tool in Fresno. And then my friend, in April of that year, we were going to go see Cher. And he's like, wait, wait, wait. You just saw this really big band. That you love. And now you're going to go see Cher? I was like, yeah, yeah. Now, that didn't happen. And, you know, the tour was canceled because of COVID. And and shit, <coughs> shit happens when you see Cher. You know what I mean? Shit, ap- shit happens also when you party naked. Shout out, Jason. So, yeah, I wanted, I wanted to have a little fun tonight. Because last night, you know, it was all about... My name is Truman Capote. <laughs> For tonight's election, we're going to read from my new book, In Cold Blood. Yeah. So we went there, and tonight, you know, it was all the Babo Waltes, you know, because who's doing all the interviews now? David Muir. David Muir is about to sit down with, um, you know, the vice, the former vice president of, of homosexuality. Um, he, I, I, Come on, that's his beard right there. Um, Mike Pence, or as I like to say, Mike Pence, he's not gay. Oh, he is. But anyway, we don't talk about politics on here too much because I I ended that shit in 2020. We talk about films. We talk about music. It's all relative, basically. So it's been fun. Nicolas Cage, you still got it? Yeah. The unbearable likeness of massive talent and ministries 
the mind is a terrible thing to taste. Unpleasant dreams.